0: Vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high-quality naturopathic doctor-designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, CytoMatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of that naturopathic podcast. It's Doctor Dave with Doctor Michelle again, my sidekick.
1: Sidekick for life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Shell, what's going on?
1: Oh, you know, um it's don't been a tell cold. the truth, it's, just it's, keep it. <laughs> it's been it's been a wild week, you know. It's that season where your schedule looks like one thing and then every day it changes because as people are rescheduling, canceling, rescheduling. Every day's a new adventure when it comes to clinic life right now. Because mm-hmm. of everyone's catching a version of the cold, I guess yeah. we can say politely. Um, but yeah, but uh that's, it's
0: that's also just the armpit of the year in these parts of the world. It is
1: the armpit. It of is the
0: year. armpit <laughs> of the year in Canada. <laughs> 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 really, like Christmas is over.
1: Yeah, it's cold. Yeah,
0: it's it gets, crappy.
1: Yeah, we're all yeah. over the long darkness, dark hours. Like we're just like everyone's in a slump now. So I don't, I, I, I don't blame it. I feel like January is always a little bit of a hit or miss when it comes to mm-hmm. clinic life. So it's just, it's been interesting to watch everything just change day by day but anyways you know um, what else
0: is interesting what's that we have one of your instagram heroes slash friends to talk <laughs> heroes. to heroes
1: okay. you're my hero <laughs> yeah we totally do we have uh we have dr carolyn stone so dr stone is a uh, licensed naturopathic physician in the state of arizona and she's the owner of stone naturopathic she is a badass and her passion is helping women with gut hormone adrenal and thyroid issues and i gotta say i have a love hate relationship with social media but in this case it's love because it connects <laughs> me to this like ferocious female um she really is an advocate for helping educate people and empower people to get a hold of their health and their wellness goals whether it's mental emotional etc and um i'm super stoked that we have her on our show today yes Dang. That's a great intro. I'm gonna to have to listen to that again. Nailed it. <laughs>
2: Nailed it.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, yes. Yeah. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Carolyn.
2: Yes. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm super psyched to be here, be on here with you guys and actually see you in person. Cause like you said, we're Instagram friends, right? <laughs> Turned real life friends. So yeah. Thanks
1: for having me. It's such a wild world to say those things these days. It it like We're IG friends.
0: Is. Weird. It is. Well, like you said, there's a good side to it, right? Like, yeah, as much yes. as it can be, whatever. It's also awesome in that it linked us with Carolyn. So Carolyn, I love your punchy, uh, wicked, uh, Instagram posts too. Thank um, you. and I'm judging you by them and I judge you very well. Cause they are, <laughs> no, they're awesome. So check her out on Instagram. I can't believe I'm saying that, but really, yeah. Check her out on Instagram. She got wicked posts. They're, they're straight to the point. They're like doable. They're like, I don't know I, I they're evidence-based. They're, they're clever. So, um, yeah, I too have been watching you on the gram.
1: Ooh, gosh. Gosh. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good.
0: Well, should we should we start with just maybe, I don't know, like, I don't have an amazing story about why I got into naturopathic medicine. I think it's because I'm like a philosopher. And I think that doing the right thing is important, um, even if it takes more effort. But what's your do you have a little story as to like how you fell down the naturopathic sort of stream of things?
2: Yeah, for sure. So I always knew I wanted to go into medicine. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor that was never even a question in my mind. So I was in college, uh, pre-med, right? And probably about two years in, I was in this, it was a club and they would bring in different doctors from different specialties and they're all talking about their experiences. And none of it sounded like what I thought medicine should be. I actually, growing up, I grew up in a really small town and had this amazing pediatrician that even though she was an MD, like she very much practiced like an atiopathic doctor in terms of just how thorough she was, the questions that she asked. So that's what I was used to. Mm-hmm. So when I got into a bigger world, I was like, okay, this is not what I imagine medicine to be. So I got on, I mean, my laptop was probably like <laughs> as thick as a Bible thing was so clunky, but so I opened up this dusty laptop and I started researching and came across naturopathic medicine. As soon as I started reach, you know, reading through the principles, how they practice, how they thought I knew immediately that that's what I wanted to do, but I was in Ohio. It's an unlicensed state. So I had a lot of, you know, lots of decisions to make. So I ended up coming to Arizona and I've stayed here ever since. And so that was kind of my pathway into it. And as a teen, I had some pretty bad migraines and they eventually just went away on their own. Um, I'm now suspicious that, you know, there was other things going on, but having dealt with that and going through scans and tests and all these things and nobody could help me. Nobody could help me. And then they just resolved one day. So that was always... You know, kind of that was an eye opener for me in terms of how the conventional system could work when things are going wrong. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Mm, Yeah, totally. Arizona is a pretty interesting state to practice naturopathic medicine. I met someone else once at a medical conference. I think it was a restorative medical conference, and he practiced in Arizona. And I remember my girlfriend and I up here in like conservative Ontario for naturopathic (laughs) medicine. He was telling us some of the stuff we do, and we're like, "Yo, you inject this? You you inject it where?" oh my God, that's crazy. Like yeah. it was like, you guys, you guys just have f- free reign to do whatever you need to do to optimize your client's health. And it's actually pretty awesome. Unless yeah. anything's changed. I don't know.
2: No, we're super lucky. And a lot of that had to do with, uh, there was somebody, I forget the, all the connections, but there was somebody who was a naturopathic doctor who had connection with somebody who was in politics at the time that we were trying to get stuff passed. And that gave us all of these options so we can prescribe medications, inject stuff, what? IVs, you know, all of that. So Wild. we got really, oh. Lucky and we have somehow held on to that, thank goodness. Yeah, it's been amazing. It's a great state to be in, you know. And it's 67 and sunny here, so I can't complain. <laughs> so we're
1: moving to Arizona.
2: <laughs> yeah. Talk
1: to me in the summer though, when it's like 113, it might yeah. be a different story. <laughs> totally, totally. Now, Carolyn, you have a real your your jam, as we would say, probably on this show is Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune uh, thyroid condition. Um yep. What what do you feel are some of the biggest misconceptions about that? Or what do you feel is some of the shortcomings when it comes to how that condition is traditionally viewed and yeah. how we can be more supportive of that from our naturopathic side?
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, the first piece is whether or not it even gets diagnosed. So many people come to me as being diagnosed as hypothyroid. Nobody's ever checked their antibodies. Nobody's done a thyroid ultrasound to actually see, well, what is the cause of of this hypothyroidism, right? Mm -hmm. Where's that coming from? Where's the dysfunction? It's not like your thyroid just stops working. Why Mm -hmm. did that happen, right? And that's kind of what we do as naturopathic physicians is figure out the why. So that's, that's a big piece of it is actually getting people diagnosed. But in the conventional system, I also get why they don't care about the diagnosis because it all gets treated the same. Doesn't matter if you have Hashimoto's, doesn't matter if you have hypothyroidism, everybody gets loved with thyroxine or synthroid, end of the day, right? Right. Wash your hands and you're done. And they don't, you know, they, I say they, but you know, certain doctors, (laughs) conventionally, typically they're just looking at the numbers and they're usually only looking at TSH, maybe a free T4 if we're lucky Hmm. and completely ignore the fact that, okay, maybe their TSH looks great, but they feel like crap. Mm -hmm. And that's where we really shine because it's more about optimizing their levels, looking at free T3, free T4. What are we doing for their antibodies? What is causing those antibodies to be elevated? Is it something in their environment? Is it something they're eating? Is it a stress, you know, that they're enduring? Is it something with their hormones or all of the above is often what I see. So I don't know how it is for you guys, but oftentimes by the time people get to me, they're a hot mess. pretty much. (laughs) We're
0: last in the line
2: we are and but the beauty of that is also that I get to see how things go wrong right what mm-hmm. is happening in the conventional system that's being missed so yeah getting people diagnosed is number one and two actually treating their Hashimoto's and figuring out why they have it in the first place and learning how to get that under control that's the second piece so those are the big things that I see is as being missed in the conventional system
0: mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean it's it's that's simple in a way but I, I always like this is you're not the first person we talk to about thyroid because i I, f- I feel like it's you think you know what and then then it, it gets there's like levels of complexity i don't know if you feel that too michelle uh, like but yeah. like yeah so you, i think it's really important to talk to experts like you because yes you need to do the basics but like this is kind of uh it, it can be kind of a complicated condition to to treat in some, in some ways, and I know you do your basics and your foundational yep. stuff. And I hope you talk about that. Uh, like you're, you're, I think you're, you're, you're like into fitness and like yeah. nutrition, all the basics, you got to do that stuff. But one thing I wanted to say is that it's important, I guess, if we have uh, antibodies for a while there, I was like, you know, okay, what does, do the antibodies change anything? Well, I think they do in terms of like expectation for how soon you're going to get better. now you have, a, you know, some confirmation that you have an, uh you know, an autoimmune disease. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot, That's difficult. I always, whenever someone has autoimmune disease, I'm like, that's difficult. So how does, how does having the antibodies, you know, the TPOs or the TGs, what, what, how does that change how you assess and then move forward?
2: Yeah. So if it's Hashimoto's versus hypothyroidism, well, you know, either way, I'm trying to figure out the cause with Hashimoto's. It's like, okay, we really got to start digging in. Usually the most common things I see or where I'm going to typically start with folks is looking at their adrenal function, really stress, right? So what's their cortisol looking like? What's their stress look like? And then hormones. I see a lot of women, Hashimoto's is more common in women. So it's just Kind of part of the game, but those are usually the two places that I start, and we get a lot of progress just with those two things. But then you've got those cases. There's always those cases where it's like, ah, okay, we're still not quite there. Either their antibodies aren't coming down, or they still don't feel their best, and we got to figure out what that is. And that's when I start looking for maybe some more obscure things. Is there something in their environment that they're being exposed to? I mean, especially for women, how many products? Do we put on and use every single day between our hair and our makeup and our skin products? So looking at what they're doing in that regard, looking, obviously, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this yet, but gut health, what is going on with their gut? Yeah. Uh, And yeah, it's gotta be a big piece. And that could be, you know, looking at infections, that could be looking at dysbiosis, that could be looking at all sorts of things. And viruses too, we know Epstein-Barr virus has a connection, right? All sorts of viruses can have a connection with any autoimmune disorder, including Hashimoto's. So, you know, you have those, like you mentioned, kind of like the basic things that you do, the big things that I assess. And then if that's not working, that's when we have to start digging deeper and figuring out, well, where, where's the imbalance? And oftentimes it doesn't take a whole lot of work you just have to know what you're looking for and what you're running mm-hmm. but it does get a little it gets a little tricky and it's taken me a long time to get there these are not things that i was doing in the beginning like you kind of beat my head up against the wall like dang i could to help that person so much better if i had known what i know now and so it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge learning curve
1: for sure mm-hmm. totally with regards to to we love gut health uh, yeah. dave and i Um, we love a poop talk conversation. (laughs) Yes. Um, when it comes to gut health, are you running things? Do you find specific things are the biggest triggers for Hashimoto's? Is it like food sensitivities? Are you looking at microbiome? I'm big on liver gallbladder stuff now, and that's a big limiting factor. I think I was even Mm -hmm. at a conference where they were just talking about liver gallbladder function alone, having a huge impact on thyroid, thyroid health in and of itself. Do you have any comments on that? (laughs) I do, I do. So I always start with
2: food, right? So first thing I always have people do, like you gotta get the gluten out. That's just a a non-negotiable when it comes to autoimmune disorders, just based on the research and based on the responses that I get Mm -hmm. in terms of patient response.
1: So- Sorry, can you explain that a little bit more for the audience why gluten is such a big deal for autoimmune conditions like thyroid specifically?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So gluten, the protein actually, so there's something called molecular mimicry where if you ingest something, it can look similar to other things in your body. So gluten protein looks very similar to thyroid cells. So when you ingest that, your immune system's like, hey, that kind of looks like this other thing I'm already attacking. And then it perpetuates that, that immune response. So it can cause a flare. And a lot of my folks will tell you, man, when they get off the gluten, it can be quite life-changing for them if they're willing to actually do it. So that's all another piece. But yeah, I usually start with gluten and looking at certainly food sensitivities. I go back and forth as far as like food sensitivity testing, Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of nuances there. I do still find that it can be useful in a lot of ways, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really just about testing it for each person. Okay. You know, Get a get a you know baseline diet and then we start kind of testing foods. How does your body respond? Right. Cause the tests tell us one thing. And I think testing can be helpful in terms of it's a piece of paper that you can hand to someone and they're like, oh yeah, I see that. That one's a you know three plus on the scale, and that's gotta be one that I take out. So it's kind of more of a mental thing versus if I was just gonna do it for myself, I'd probably just do more of an elimination diet, right? right. And test it that way. I just find that to be the most beneficial. Have you guys heard of carol testing at all? Carol? carol food carol like yeah. C i haven't done it
0: yeah like the og the yeah. og
2: <laughs> og yes yes so i don't do that but it's super interesting to me i have friends that do so that, that's a whole nother game so yeah i usually start with food sensitivities and then as far as gut health yeah looking for just stealth infections where it might be like blastocystis hominis that's that's one that has definitely been connected to hashimoto so we really think yeah okay yeah I if you... had
0: no idea I've, I've had a few patients that i've caught it
2: yeah uh, we've,
0: we've treated it but i didn't know it was related to thyroid
2: yeah if you are you guys familiar with um gosh what's her name isabella wentz yep yeah yep. yeah so she's got some good information i don't remember if it's in her book or on her website but she's got some good information on hmm. that as well so you know looking for some things like that definitely will do you know stool analysis looking for those things that's usually not where i start Right. Start with the basics, and then just depending on how they respond, build up from there. And I let's, kind of forgot what your question was. Sorry.
0: <laughs> that's okay. I, let, let's let's go to let's go let's talk about like the average person maybe coming in just so that maybe some a lot of people can relate out there. So say someone comes in, they've um, <clears throat> maybe they don't even know they have Hashimoto's. They've just been told they have a low thyroid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pretty conventional sort of person, so they eat like a average sort of diet. Maybe let's say they eat like home-cooked foods most of the time, but not, they're not watching anything in particular. Mm-hmm. Maybe not your standard American diet. Sad. <laughs> sad it
2: is sad. sad
0: very sad. It's just as sad as the st- standard Canadian diet, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> because you, you got the better Zach. acronym. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the average person not watching super carefully, maybe not super fit, just, just sort of like maybe they go for a walk now and then. They don't know too much about supplementation. Like, wh- where are you going to start with a person like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, anytime a new patient comes to me, the first thing is looking at their history and looking at their symptoms, right? What's the presentation? If they're, let's say they're coming in with fatigue, super common presentation, yeah. right? Big symptom that's part of thyroid. Well, when did it start, right? I love tracing it back to Such figure out when it starts. Right? Like, yeah. when, when did things shift for you? Haven't always felt this way. Yeah. And then usually it's like, okay, if it started around this time, what else was going on in your life at that time? Yeah. Did you go through a divorce? Did you have a kid? Did you, I don't know, move across the country, right? And that usually starts to get the wheels turning. So I know where I start my assessment with that person. So Mm -hmm. getting that history is super important. And that's why I think naturopathic medicine is really key because you can't do that in a five minute primary care visit with Mm -hmm. a conventional doctor. It's just not happening. So, you know, getting that history, obviously doing my physical exam, looking for signs and symptoms, actually feeling their thyroid. Can't tell you how many people have seen endocrinologists who did not even touch their thyroid, which is amazing to me. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
2: And, you know, and again, Arizona is amazing. So we do, uh, we're trained in Oriental medicine. So I usually will do like a tongue and pulse diagnosis as part of Chinese medicine to give me even more ideas about what's going on. And then we run labs. And the labs are an interesting piece because a lot of people will come in having had labs done, were told their thyroid was normal. I look at their TSH and I'm like, dude, this is not normal. Just because it's mm-hmm. in range does not mean it's normal. Right. And and the research backs that up. I don't know why conventional doctors have not caught on to that. It just drives me crazy. But yeah, a lot of people told their stuff's normal. And then I run their labs. I'm like, okay,
1: definitely mm-hmm. not normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in those, those new labs you're running, that's just standard lab work, or are you going into the adrenals and things like that? Or is that just getting a more comprehensive thyroid panel basically?
2: Yeah, it just depends. So sometimes I'll start with just a, a comprehensive thyroid panel. So TSH, free T3, free T4, obviously your antibodies. I don't run reverse T3 that often. Sometimes this can be useful, but generally I don't find that it changes my treatment plan, but sometimes I'll run it. If things are wonky and then, yeah, sometimes I'll run the adrenal, uh, like a cortisol panel, salivary cortisol up front, especially if symptoms are really severe, but sometimes we'll start with one thing. Cause a lot of, in Arizona, a lot of insurances will cover those basic labs. They're not going to cover a salivary right. cortisol. Right. So yeah. depending on where finances are, then it, yep. that will kind of dictate how we move forward.
0: Okay. Yeah. What's and, your what the what else are you doing on your physical exam? You're palpating oh, oh, the yeah. thyroid.
2: Well, yeah. So I do a full physical, right? I go I go cool. head to toe, right? So yes. eyes, ears, mouth, heart, lungs. Awesome. Got, got to feel their belly. Got to feel their pulses. I want to see what their circulations like. Do they have any swelling in the legs? All of
0: that. Awesome. Good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is something when I first came out of school, I did not value enough. Yeah. Right. And in the last few years, I'm like, there's so much to be understood by just check assessing physically the body right and dave is a dave is a brig um uh, advocate for this too and he's even like come at not come at me but he's encouraged (laughs) come at me me. he's do it no he's he's very much encouraged me to just even dig deeper from an abdominal perspective or even just like you feel something put an acupuncture needle in it like yeah i'm sad with a common book gallbladder duct just put a needle in there, work it out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's there's, true. It's, 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 it's really important information. Yeah. There was a time where I was like,
2: you know, what? it'd be kind of interesting to do the physical exam first before you figure it, before you get any of the history, I always thought it'd be an mm-hmm. interesting way of doing things, but I, I'm not doing that, but I, I thought that would be kind of interesting to see what you glean from your hands first. And no, it's then a gr- you
0: know what, that is, that's cool that you're saying that because I, I don't think it works as well for the naturopath. Um, yeah. But that is what. So the Burrell Institute, like uh, yeah. that, I did that oste, osteopathic training with. He, he, people come in. He says, "Don't, <laughs> talk. don't talk." But he's the most. He's the most lovely guy. But he's he just he's like the tissues no more. Like the yeah. tissues no more. So he he just puts his hand, on, and then he asks questions only after he looks at the intake only after. So I don't think it works as well for our style. But there is yeah. something kind of beautiful about that, right? Like yeah. the tissues have a more direct sort of. Um, story because you know our stories sometimes yes continue. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> i i would love to like enhance my palpation skills. like osteopaths always amaze me when i was like what are you feeling you're feeling a subtle pulse i feel nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't understand what's going on right now right it's, it's like wild. the marble under all the pages right feeling the yeah. marble oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty wild okay so outside of so back to the dave's original question of like a person comes in standard american diet you know relatively normal lifestyle practices so aside from doing say the the labs what are you kind of sending them home with or, like as foundational things for them to yeah. begin to implement
2: yeah so that first visit i usually don't give them more than three things to do cuz i find if you give them anything more than that nothing's going to get done mm-hmm. so i usually hone in on one to three things that i need them to do usually it has a lot to do with getting them moving right if they are not moving their body i gotta get you walking stretching doing something right and i always just start small and let them know okay we're gonna start with maybe you take a walk around the block but eventually this is where we're going so always give them here's your starting point here's where we want to get to so usually get them moving usually something with their their diet so whether that's okay I'm, I'm you know either if they come in with hashimoto's okay i need you off gluten if they're not doing that or maybe i need you getting more protein you're not going Enough protein or for women, get more calories because a lot of people are not women or not eating enough food in general. So, usually start with some of those things and hydration. So, usually it's like movement, food, hydration. Those are kind of my three things that I start with.
0: Nice. Yeah.
2: Or meditation is a big one. Yeah. yeah I just sold someone. I'm like, okay, I need you meditating every day for 21 days. Let's see what happens. Right. So, that's a common prescription for me. Those are the
1: things that are free and people fight me on every single time. <laughs> those are the hardest ones to get them to do they'll pay thousands of dollars for supplements and programs
2: that they found online but tell them to drink water and oh i know, I know. <laughs> it's it's wild human nature is so wild yeah we're so weird we're weird creatures <laughs> we are.
0: but those are so key like and and that i guess it's worth saying just in you know like back up and look at the big picture too like that's why Treating the person is, is so, um, it's not just cookie cutter. There's, yeah, there's some like check boxes that you do want to check in most people, but like, you know, I'm sure you're, uh, the person you're recommending meditation to was not the, maybe they weren't the calmest person ever and Mm -hmm. they need, they need that. Maybe they drank sufficient water, but they need that. And so, yeah, you can't, you can't cookie cutter everything, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. No, no, I, I did have, I did have a woman. I think a uh, couple, couple months ago, came in and, and she didn't drink any water at all, <gasps> and, at all,
1: How? autoimmune disease.
0: I forget what autoimmune disease. But she had autoimmune and didn't drink. It. And I'm like, I, I don't even know where. I, I feel silly telling you like, okay, you paid this much money to come see me drink more water, but at the same time, That's the foundations, foundations yeah. is what she needed. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I always tell folks like you, you cannot build a house on a crappy foundation. So I can do all these fancy treatments and recommend all these fancy things to you. But if you're not doing the basics, we're only going to get so far.
0: Yeah. Can you can you bring in how you work the uh, the adrenal health into thyroid health? And because you said, I think at the outset there, you're saying how you you often treat that at the beginning to support the thyroid.
2: Yeah because yeah so i rarely see a case of hashimotos that does not have some level of adrenal dysfunction hpa axis dysfunction they're they're just one and the same because we know that stress is a big factor in terms of just turning on right that hashimotos pathway or you know if you've got that predisposition that's one thing but what is the thing that actually started the hashimotos and so as far as treating that really just depends on the person but a lot of it is around you know dealing with their stress response, sleep. Sleep is huge. So many people are not getting enough sleep, especially if they've got and men, people with kiddos, I don't know how they do it, <laughs> but many of those people are not getting either enough sleep or they're not getting good quality sleep. So that's yeah. got to be huge. And of course, just supporting adrenal function in a myriad of ways, whether that's through herbs or nutrients or whatever it might be. But yeah, I would say, and stress, a lot of times I'm sending people to therapy, especially now I'm like, yo, you guys need to talk about your problems, you are suppressing everything. And especially for women, again, this is just my population, maybe the same for men, but they tend to take care of everyone else before they take care of themselves.
1: So I have a lot of conversations about boundaries. Yeah. time. Yeah, there's also something to be said about like, this is this is your communication center, your throat chakra, right? It's your throat chakra. And I've Mm -hmm. always heard the thing that you're going to get thyroid issues or throat issues if there's a disconnect between your head and your heart, and you can't, you can't articulate that, right? So your head's telling you to do one thing, your heart wants something, your intuition, your heart wants something else, and you have this internal struggle, and it manifests on a throat level, or there's an inability to communicate and advocate for yourself, And that's gonna, yeah. So there's, there's that, that's a big one.
2: Yeah. And if you guys are homeopathy people, it's like Ignatian Netmer, super common
1: in my Ashes people. (laughs) Dave's your man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love a good homeopathic. It does, it does something that nothing else does. Yeah. I just wish it was, I wish, I wish there was a way we could make it even more reliable, you know? Yeah. That's, that's probably the one, the one main thing I find. Problematic with it, but when you hit it, man, I, I had a woman come in. Uh, uh, I know this is your your thing, and we're talking about hypothyroid. But she had hyper, she had Graves, mm-hmm. she had Graves, mm-hmm. and everything everything went belly up or whatever sideways, whatever you want to call it. Since her mother died,
2: mm.
0: Nat mirror comes back the next time, feel amazing,
1: right? So wild, so beautiful.
0: But nothing else. I there's nothing else. There's nothing else. Nothing. Yep. Yeah. that would do that so <laughs> yeah i like yeah, that'll it make a believer
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah pretty much everyone i see gets a remedy at some point <laughs> and a lot of times it'll be on that first visit so yeah very common which
0: school did you go to is like was homeopathy uh, taught well were you were you yeah
2: in? so i went to southwest college in naturopathic medicine so if you're familiar with dr stephen messer did a lot of rotations with him dr udell is there or was there as well so i did I never thought homeopathy was going to be my thing. I actually didn't believe in it when I first <laughs> started learning about it. Yeah. And I ended up doing like probably 14 different rotations in homeopathy that, cause I was just so blown away by the things that I saw. It's just amazing to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is That's, that fantastic when it works.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely. It's definitely not my strength, but I applaud those <laughs> who have, cause it's an art form. I'm not going to lie. It's an yeah. art form and you need to you need to flex that muscle a lot and understand the pictures for the remedies and the characteristics to really be able to, to knit. Cause it's, there's literally millions of remedies that you could possibly choose from. Yeah. Um, it's mind boggling to me. Right. So, um, but I, I deeply applaud the people who are able to, um, find that needle in the haystack and, and connect that person with the right remedy. Cause it is life-changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it works, yeah. when it works, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty, but even when, even I'm using it more, I'm not using classical homeopathy, but I'm using things like drainage kits or yeah. things that work on a deeper cellular level that are more complex homeopathics, right. Or even for like Lyme disease and stuff. Like my one yeah. clinic has some cool ones for limes to help the body just like release that yep. particular microbe in a much more comprehensive way. And, and just really steer the course of action in a, in a better way or more effective or efficient way. And I find that that's how i'm using them i wish i was a little bit more skilled when it comes to classical homeopathy but voila not everyone can be rock stars at everything so right everyone's <laughs> got their their thing <laughs> yeah.
0: so those are the most common ones you use carolyn the uh nat mirror and ignatia you'd say those are most oh, common
2: sepia is a really big one too. yeah sepia is yeah. definitely in there
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: i would say those are the biggest ones there's definitely some you know phosphorus in there
0: uh, for yeah. my
1: more anxious types but yeah th- those
0: are yeah. kind of
2: the big
1: ones yeah cool I want to ask about, um, fitness and exercise yeah. when it comes to, because, you know, we understand that exercise is a positive stress, but at some point it become a negative stress. Cause like you can see, and I don't want to, I'm not using this as a derogatory term, but like those skinny, unhealthy people who just run and run and run and run on the treadmill, but they have no muscle mass and they're the ones that I'm on, on constantly worried about because they just want to lose weight and they over exercise and it becomes a negative stress which then affects your thyroid in a negative way so like what's the fine balance when it comes to exercising to optimize stress and thyroid function like how yeah. what's the parameters you work in
0: especially when you have no energy that's yeah what. right <laughs> that's
1: exactly
0: that's,
2: oh i i get that one a lot a lot so yeah you make a great point because again thyroid and adrenals, right? So if somebody's in, you know, pretty significant adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction, I'm not going to ask them to go do HIT workouts four days a week. That's just insane. You're going to make them worse. So usually it's about just finding a starting point. What can you do? What makes you feel good? But I also remind people too, right? Cause they' we get the, I don't want to call it excuse, but we'll just say excuse. I get the excuse a lot that they're too tired, right? And Hashimoto's, too tired, uh, muscles hurt, joints hurt. And what I always teach them is that movement is the thing that will turn those around. So the very thing that is keeping you from doing it, right, is what's Mm -hmm. going to get better when you do it.
0: So Mm -hmm. really,
2: it's just by it's helping people find a starting point and showing them through their movement, that they feel better. And for me, it's really helpful to go through, you know, at their first visit, going, when you go through all those symptoms and kind of rating different things, seeing the severity of things, because sometimes they'll come back and they're like, eh, I'm not quite sure if it's working. I'm like, okay, how's this symptom doing? Oh, that's better. I forgot about that. How's this thing doing? Oh, that's better. I forgot about that. And so when you start listing them up, they realize how beneficial it is. So there is this, this fine tuning between doing enough exercise, especially strength training, I find is, is, Gosh, it's like a non-negotiable when it comes to thyroid health. So strength training and just making sure that they're not taxing their adrenals too much. And usually it goes in a stepwise fashion, right? The more healed they get, the more we can do. So we just kind of have to check in, right? And that's also teaching people how to get in tune with their bodies. So many people are disconnected with their bodies and their symptoms and realizing when, oh, I am actually run down instead of just pushing through it. Like, you know, a lot of type A folks will do that. So
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's really reassessing frequently. What is, what is your tip though? Because this is the struggle yeah. I have with some of my clients. They are, cause with, with sluggish thyroid, low thyroid function, whether it's regular low thyroid or Hashimoto's, there's that extreme fatigue, there's the sluggishness, there's a lack of motivation, but there's a weight gain. And then people in our society seem to think more is more when it comes to exercise. And it's an interesting conversation because I'll have people who push themselves and sometimes work out twice a day and because they're focused on the weight and it's a different kind of conversation. So I'm curious about like how you navigate the conversation or language around the people to show them that this might not be the most optimal thing
2: Yeah, it's really
1: about dosere, right?
2: It's really about sitting them down. Because what I find is that if people actually understand it, then it starts to click in their head and they start to see the difference. So you really have to take the time and sit down and say, you know, this is what your cortisol is doing. This is why it's doing it. And we got to dial that back. But I'm also, I don't know, lucky or not lucky, but I also have Hashimoto's. So I can walk them through, here's my story. This is what happened with me. And I've gone through this and here's where I'm at and here's what I'm doing now. So I can, it's easier for me because I can speak from experience to them. I was in adrenal fatigue, you know, of course, med school, right? We all have. It. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I can walk them through that process and what it was like for me. So I think being relatable to the patient and saying, okay, like I've done this, or I've seen this in other patients and here was their progression, right? Giving them examples and actually showing them, you know, on their blood work, what their exercise is doing and explaining to them, the weight piece is a big piece. Everyone wants to lose weight. And so you have to have that conversation around weight is really means nothing. I mean, it doesn't mean nothing, but it's not the big picture. I talked to them about body Mm -hmm. composition. Your body composition is what matters. Your thyroid relies on your muscles. So you have to have healthy muscle mass in order to convert your you know into active t3 and once they start to see oh it actually does matter that i have muscle and i'm not just skinny fat is what we like to call it they realize that okay it's really building muscle and that's what about and sometimes i'll even disclose because you know a lot of people, you know, people make judgments right on the way that a person looks. And so I'll talk to them about like, here's my weight. When I, you know, started strength training, I lost maybe five pounds, but my body composition changed drastically. So being mm-hmm. able to kind of explain that to them and show them that I find makes a difference, but it's docere.
1: You got, you got to teach mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's a hard conversation. It's, it's tough with, with yeah. North American culture of eat less calories, exercise harder equals weight loss. And nobody yeah. thinks about the hormonal impact that oh. those decisions yeah poorly made are going to have on your body long term. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I find that frequent check-ins in
2: the beginning until they start to see stuff for themselves. So we'll send them messages. I'll send them a message every two weeks. Hey, what are you doing? Are you sticking with your plan? What's going on? How are you feeling? Right. So I always tell them you're going to have more visits with me in the beginning. We're going to have a lot more contact in the beginning until I know that you can do this stuff on your own. Sometimes I'll hook them up with a health coach who's who's then motivating them in between our visits. So mm-hmm. I think frequent contact, especially in the beginning, makes a difference. But at the end of the day, I tell them, it's up to them. I can't do it for them. I can't go to the gym for them. They got to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sort of like a front, I always say it's like a front end heavy uh, sort of investment or front end heavy interaction when I have patients, right? Cause you're okay, They've shown that they want to get better to some degree and yeah. then you have to teach them, right? That's what doctor means to teach. So you're, you're teaching them as much as you can at the beginning so they can go home and, and put it into practice because you can't Poor work staff. out for them. Poor
1: patients, like yeah. information overload. Sometimes they're like, yeah. Oh my God, <laughs> that's why I, I only know. send them home with three things in the beginning. Yeah. I'm like, okay, then we're going to ramp it up, but they get, you know, all their little
2: handouts. So they know what they need to do. <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. yeah. It's tough balance. All right. To do enough, but also not overwhelm. That's I find that's yeah. always a, that's a tough balance.
2: And I, I try and navigate that by giving them the big picture. Here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing now. But in three months, this is kind of what we might be looking at. Here's our, here's our next steps. And I try and lay it out for them and I let them know, okay, it doesn't always go as smoothly as we want. But Mm -hmm. I think if you give them that overview, it makes it a little bit easier because they know what type of time they have to Mm -hmm. invest into this.
0: Carolyn, tell me one thing that you used to think about, you know, treating thyroid, maybe when you were fresh, fresh out of school that, that you've, you've now after years of practice learned that you look at it totally differently.
1: Oh, that's a good question. That is a good question, David. Oh, <laughs> Especially,
0: so we'll, keep that, we'll keep that one for <laughs> when we're out of questions of <laughs> future oh, use, but it is a good one because yeah. there's a few things like that for me. But as you kind of being an expert in thyroid, I'd love to know what you think because I, I had a lot of misconceptions about it. So I'd love to see if they're similar.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, some of the things were around uh, just certain labs, like, okay, I always thought you had to run a reverse T3, for example. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that really made a difference and that we had to optimize that piece and i just found over time i'm like okay this is not useful doing more research and i'm like okay i'm not the only one who feels this way you know just mm-hmm. based on what i'm seeing so you know some of it is around the testing some of it was realizing again that you don't have to do all this fancy stuff like not not even fancy but throwing a lot of supplements at folks yes. right it's talk very to easy me. talk to me yeah when you're fresh out it's like man <laughs> you need selenium. Take this pill, right? You, you need zinc, take this pill. And now I'm like, dude, eat a steak. <laughs> so, like, honestly, and I am, you know, supplements can be great. But what I try to teach my patients is that they're really intended to get you from point A to point B. And they're not band-aid, but it's a way to just kind of boost your levels while we're getting your lifestyle in a place where you don't need that stuff, right? There's always a time mm-hmm. and a place when we know, right? Our soils are crab, minerals are deficient in the soil. So mm-hmm. that means they're deficient in our food. So that's a whole our nother- Our guts don't work. Okay. Yeah, right? So there's so many pieces there, but honestly, is as, as I've gone on, my treatments have gotten a lot simpler. Mm. And I don't know if that's just a normal progression or if that's because our society is so sick that I can't move beyond- you know, I can't do some of the other things that maybe I thought I needed to do before until I get those basics in check. So yeah, simplicity, even though like the testing and the stuff I, I you know, like gut health and is you know, all that kind of stuff. Like that's super interesting to me, but a lot of times I, I just try to keep it simple. What can people do and what are they actually going to do? It really makes a difference because you can give them all the things in the world, but if they're not going to do it, what's the point? So make it simple.
0: Yeah. I think those are key evolutions. That's, that's, i think simple is so good and then you touched on something earlier too which is like your th- your uh you were sort of being sympathetic or compassionate to parents or mums maybe specifically mums and that's one that i learned later too which is like okay not everyone has the same amount of time or resources i always say time energy yes. money you know and and what's their situation what's their home life like i think like that stuff you don't really learn that in school and i found that real life teaches you, real practice teaches you some of those, those things.
2: Yeah. It's not always easy to navigate those, you know, having a family is, is a lot of work, especially now, you know, it's well, a little bit different here in, in Arizona, not so many lockdowns and stuff, but you know, you have people working full-time from home, taking care
1: of their kids, teaching their kids. That's like, I can't even wrap my mind around that. <laughs> so it's wild. Yeah. Me neither. Me neither. But I like, I like that progression of, of your confidence in, in how to support people has actually become more simplistic because you realized that that foundational stuff is the most important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I sometimes still have this twinge of guilt sending people home <laughs> with just like, can you please add protein to your breakfast and drink some water <laughs> yeah. with and add a pinch of salt in it? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not giving you any supplements. And sometimes I'm like, did I do enough? Like I still have this weird, even though I know that's exactly what they need, but I think it's me comparing myself to what I think their expectation of what the visit's supposed to be like, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but there's something really powerful in those simple things. And I, and I think I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's beautiful.
0: <laughs> I feel like yeah. we run into that guilt. We talk about that guilt almost every week, Michelle. That's, really? Well, yeah. Like, did <laughs> I do enough?
2: Oh, for yeah. sure, for did sure. I do and that's always a question. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it again depends on the person. Like, if someone's doing all, if they're like, if they got, you know, there's those people like they're borderline biohackers themselves. Like, they're doing all the all the things, um, and so you have you have to do things a little differently from mm-hmm. from who came in like real green to to like, you know, he- health promotion or seeking or what you know like seeking health in any way. You know, Mm -hmm. so you treat them totally different. That's true.
1: The other thing too is when when you're already stressed out and you feel like you're juggling a million plates, the last thing you need is complicated stuff.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. And that goes right in line.
1: Right. When Mm -hmm. stress is such a big driving force of Hashimoto's, do we need to give them things that makes their life feel more stressful? Probably not.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're talking to them and their eyes just glaze over, I'm like, okay, (laughs) let me reel it in a little bit. This is going nowhere.
1: Oh yeah. It's, it's it's a wild ride being a naturopath and trying to help people in this world right now where everyone just feels overwhelmed. And I find like everyone's emotions and stress levels are just at a huge tipping point these days. And that's more and more, but you know, what's really funny I find is that people will, will label their comment, their, their main concerns. On their intake forms, but then it's almost an afterthought. Oh, and I suffer from anxiety. And I'm like, well, that's probably the thing we need to deal with first. But for yeah. them, they're kind of like, Oh, yeah, well, that, that we I guess I'll put this in. And yeah. they're like, But I have gut problems. And I was like, Well, <laughs> yeah, did you know?
2: <laughs> All connected. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Carolyn. Really? You, you
0: touched you touched on the gut. And I just because Michelle and I are real like gut. We just love everything guts.
1: We like so shit talk.
0: We and I was just yeah. See, yeah, I was throwing it up for her to see if she'd jump in with that. She did, as she always does. Thank you. Um, yeah. But so you talked about blastocystis. Uh, is there any is there anything else sort of gut uh, relationships that you're seeing to the thyroid? Obviously, we're you know leaky gut and all that as a yeah. concept. But is there some other specific sort of gut? Uh, you know, do you see more constipation? Do you see more? Uh, certain types of infections or SIBO Mm -hmm. or is there any other sort of gut thyroid relationships you could um, tell us about?
2: Yes, SIBO for sure. SIBO, for sure. You got to look for that. I see that frequently in Hashimoto's. As far as, you know, constipation, diarrhea, it can actually be both. I mean, we know you can even have loose stool, right? If you're constipated, right? So I always have to, man, lots of talking about poop in my office. So and a lot of people are constipated. They're so constipated, but other people do, you know, even with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, contend on the other end of the spectrum, especially, you know, depending on what they're eating, right? What's their diet like? So yeah. Getting people pooping regularly is a big part of what I do. And so I always, always have to talk about that. But yeah, SIBO, SIBO, blastocystis, those are, and I don't see a lot of blastocystis, honestly, but it's definitely something that I look for in cases. Um, but SIBO is one that's come up frequently, frequently mm-hmm. for us. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Cool. Um, I had a, I feel like I had a question at the tip of my tongue and then I just lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Maybe Especially it'll come to me. When you're
0: recording me. your thoughts. I'm record-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just have no, fi- I have no filter. I just say whatever. Dave's always yeah. like, you have no shame. Like I'll just talk about yeah. my health problems. I was like, so the other day I took a poo and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, you just don't care about sharing. I'm like, I'm oh, really but, uh, yeah. Digestion,
2: but like upper upper GI digestion as well. Like a lot of people with Hashis, they have low acid levels, right? So they so like for myself, I could not like thought I could never eat steak again. Every time I ate steak, it was like this incredible pain. And then I, you know, started kind of testing some things, did some, you know, betaine with uh, you know, pepsin, shale, those types of things. I was like, oh, that's what the issue is. And so started digging into that a little bit. So, you know, it's not just lower stuff. They, they deal with some upper stuff as well. H. pylori, right? Heartburn, poor enzyme production. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool that you brought that up. Cause just in my little uh, area of expertise, which is I, I'm really focusing on the gut in general mm-hmm. and, and with the hands-on stuff, I feel like I have like a, a really deep understanding of it, but one correlation I've seen again, I'm going to say correlation. I don't know about causation is, is the stomach proper, and the thyroid.
1: So yeah. it's interesting
0: you just said that. So let me support what whatever you're thinking there. Let me lend some more uh, substance to that idea. I, I think you're onto something there probably even more than you think. <laughs> Good. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some relationship there. And I don't know if it's from acid, irritating tissues, like vaporized acid, irritating tissue, just like it does with the cough that affects the lungs. And I've seen three patients with vocal cord, uh, like nodular, like uh, nodes that, that were from reflux, mm-hmm. which is probably just from like constant irritation from vaporized acid. So I wonder if the anatomical sort of location and the fact that they think, I think they come from the same uh, embryonic tissue, the they do. Uh, thyroid. Yeah,
2: they do. Yeah.
0: And the stomach, I think there's something there. So I think you're onto something maybe even more than, or I'm just supporting what you're doing. Yeah, you know. I don't yeah.
2: Know. no, I love that. And and this is something that Isabella Wentz has talked about as well. So I started to make those correlations. Of course, you start digging a little bit deeper. So, you know, atrophic gastritis is, you know, I think it's like 10 to 20 percent of uh patients with Hashimoto's will have that as well. So there's mm-hmm. definitely definitely a correlation between the stomach and the thyroid for sure. So we always think about lower
1: GI, but we don't always think
2: about the upper GI with yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Eve
1: yeah. and I had a conversation about this when we did a whole talk about IBS we really talked about the stomach a lot mm-hmm. because what happens above affects what happens below yes and they're not they're not mutually exclusive right of and usually not. if, if mm-hmm. step one and two are bust well good luck step three four five six seven yeah. eight you know so <laughs> there's
0: a kind of linearity to uh like although everything talks to everything there when it comes to the actual shuttling of contents there's a real like From up to down linearity. If you don't get the up properly, then the down is not going to be awesome. So, yeah.
1: Yep. Cool. Okay. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. I think that that was that was really good for the audience. I really like the whole connection about the embryonic tissue of the stomach and the thyroid. I was like, ooh, that was like a little bit of a for me. A little, <laughs> I was like, oh, tell me more. Yeah, but yeah. we have to actually wrap it up. So yeah, I did. I did. I did a post on
2: that. I think not too long ago, I mentioned it in a post. So yeah, yeah, good there is a connection there.
1: <laughs> That's dope. I really like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, Carolyn, thank you so much for helping yes. enlighten our our audience a little bit more about thyroid health about how to incorporate foundational care to support it yes. and and just that to never undervalue the simple things like moving your body staying hydrated eating well and just managing like your emotional well-being and resiliency is just beyond beyond important.
2: Yeah, 100%. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Yay.